Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a Hello again, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listener to the Gen X Grown Up Podcast episode 28. I am John. Joining me as always is George. Yes, sir. And Mo is here. Hey, everybody. We crossed over our one year anniversary last podcast and uh, we posted that episode zero. I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen back to it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I deleted that crap right away. <laughs> Enjoy how far nope. we have come. <laughs> <laughs> nope, didn't enjoy that at all. Oh, goodness. Well, you know, it just goes to show you we can all grow. We'll look back a year from now and say, we were amazing back then. No, we won't. We'll say. <laughs> that assumes we get any better from here. Hey, now. <laughs> it's hard to improve on perfection. I don't know what we're going to do. Wow. <laughs> Before we get started in this show, uh, I want to talk a little bit about another podcast that I ran across that I really thought our listeners would enjoy. Now, you know that we're always looking for ways to promote our own show. We reach out to other podcasts that might have similar kind of fan bases or listeners. Uh, and we look for little uh, ad swaps that you'll hear during the commercial breaks, along with little commercials. I found one that I think would speak really well to our listeners. And I want to just talk about it up front here. And I introduced you guys to it. It's called Pop Goes Your World. You guys have a chance to listen to this yet? Oh, yeah. I listened to the latest episode, actually, which was, I guess it's probably not a typical one. Uh-huh. But it was like, they played like a game of Jeopardy where the Gen X was asking Gen X questions to the millennial. Yeah, that was the one I picked up on, too. It was pretty fun. And that's exactly the point of Pop Goes Your World that I think really has a neat hook, which is these two guys, Chris and Yancey. Chris is a Gen Xer from the great white north of Canada. And Yancey is a millennial who lives down here in Florida with us. And the two of them whoa, whoa, whoa. riff not, off of each not, other. Not with us. Like, he doesn't live in our house. No, no. Down in okay. the state with us. <laughs> I just want to clarify, in case people are thinking they can start no, no. moving into the Gen X grown-up house, I want no. to make sure. <laughs> Yancey, bring me a Coke. No, no. He's not here in the house with us. There's a Gen X and a Gen Y guy, and they're friends, despite their <laughs> generational gap. And they tackle a different topic each week. Like, those are top five lists or movies or whatever. Like, I'd listen to the Back to the Future one, right? So Chris said, Yancey, you need to watch Back to the Future. He never had before. Then they'll analyze it, say, what did you like about it? What survives? What works well? That kind of thing. It's got a really interesting uh, kind of take. I think it was fun. You know, I listened to the Jeopardy show and it was interesting to see the questions because I got probably 95% of the questions right. There was a couple of them that were some really obscure things that apparently they had talked about previously on the they show. They were Gen X depth. questions. Of course we and did. And that's why. But they were all Gen X questions. I did find it interesting. They would watch a movie that the millennial guy hadn't watched before and everything. I'm thinking maybe you should go on the show because there's a whole bunch of Gen X movies that you apparently haven't watched. That <laughs> are seminal classics. We have the Blade Runner on the YouTube series oh, yeah. that Mo had to introduce you to because you had never seen that. Yeah. And there's sad. Others that we found out most recently that are just I have a sheltered life. I just don't want to bring it up, to be honest. Him. I'm almost embarrassed for him. <laughs> oh, my God. How did you go through life and not see this? I mean, I don't know. Anyway. Do they also do it the reverse way? Like, do they? They do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yancey will pick stuff and have Chris watch it. And sometimes they'll do not just a media. They'll do top five lists of their favorite things from the two generational perspectives. It's the blending of those two and the comparison and contrast of the two. For years, <laughs> they did a, a podcast on fantasy baseball called Dear Mr. Fantasy. But then they switched to this Pop Goes Your World. And I think this is a great fit for them. It's been uh, nominated for awards. After listening 
to it. I wanted to recommend our listeners should go check it out. Pop Goes Your World. I've started listening to it and I can't get enough of it. I think you guys will enjoy it too. It's lots of fun and little enough to take with you wherever you go while supplies last. The Play-Doh Fun Factory toy comes with everything you see here from Kenner. Well, let's get things rolling here at the beginning uh, with one of the topics that's always near and dear to our heart is media of any kind, you know, movies and TV and comics and all that good stuff. Mo, and you have something, not George, Mo, you have something to talk about in the comics world, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I actually heard about this on a different podcast. They were talking about superheroes was the theme of the podcast. Wait, wait, you're listening to other podcasts? I know, I'm sorry. I, did you get, did you get permission? You just got through talking about a whole <laughs> podcast for like the first 20 minutes of the show. <laughs> Don't be getting on Mo for exploring his options. Only author Podcast. I thought we had an open relationship, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, basically it's a, a blog that a guy does. It's called Gone and Forgotten. Oh, okay. He looks for comic books and comic book heroes that had extremely short lives. <laughs> and he just kind of talks about them. <laughs> really? It goes from like the ones I remember, like remember Micronauts? George, you might remember them. Sure. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I know Absolutely. that one. They're yeah. gone. I mean, they disappeared. Even I know that one. You know, they fell off the face right. of the planet. But then he brings up these just obscure, bizarre, you know, there's a villain called the Seaweed Queen. Uh, don't ask. <laughs> I mean, wow. it, it's like half her body seaweed. It makes no sense. And you thought Aquaman was worthless. <laughs> and then this other hero <laughs> whose power is... Is, and this is kind of gross. His limbs can separate from his body. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And that's actually his power. <laughs> it's it's just a lot of just really just funny stuff. I mean, you look at this like, oh my God, I can't believe someone thought this was a good idea. But it's interesting. It's and- funny how that kind of stuff could be really interesting. I'd like looking back, you'll see top tens of like TV shows that were canceled after two or three episodes or whatever. It's it's like you love a train wreck. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It reminds me, there's a podcast that I listen to called Fictional. Another unauthorized podcast. I Reprehensible. <laughs> Rebel. That's the way it's okay. going to go. He'll read an old public domain story, but he'll rework it with a modern telling. So he'll read the Cthulhu story or Jason and the Argonauts or something. But he does this whole thing about the best of the worst, and he picks like an obscure super villain from comic books and describes their whole history and everything. So it's similar to what Mo's talking about. There's a lot of that kind of thing out there. The comic book worlds have tons of material for people to pull from. Yeah, absolutely. Gone and forgotten. All right, Mo. Thanks. And I'll put a link in it in our show notes. George, what have you been checking out? One of the things that happens this time of year that's a big family event is the American Ninja Warrior TV show. Ah, the offshoot from the Japanese. Yeah, it is. Uh, Sasuke was the Japanese show, and I watched that one when it first came out. I did too. But I got really hooked into the whole Ninja Warrior thing, and it's worldwide now. Every country almost now has a Ninja Warrior show and competitions. Now, I've never watched this. Let me ask you real quick. (laughs) Okay. I've only seen like memes and gifs that come out of a Ninja Mm -hmm. Warrior, and my perception of it from the outside is it's like the monster trucks of athletics. It totally is. No. Oh, it is. No, Come on. No. It is. Wrong. It has, no. There's two fan bases. So no, it's fan bases. There's, it's kind of like they have like people on there just for the humor factor. Yeah. No, that's your, no. Okay. So I'm going to completely disagree. Uh, I'm probably a little personally close to it, I guess, but. I'm talking about the Japanese version, of course. Uh, no, I mean, I, I can't agree with that on the Japanese they version. They had this 80-year-old guy on there every single time who didn't get past the first, <laughs> the first challenge. They had another guy who was a chef that brought squid with him every time. <laughs> 
Okay. So the Sunday. whole point Sunday. of the Ninja Warriors. No. <laughs> the whole point of the Ninja Warrior thing is that regular everyday people from all walks of life can go and compete on this show with a chance to win a million dollars. That's a classic across a lot of different game show genres. Oh, sure. Not okay. a monster truck thing at all. Second of all, at the heart of all of the Ninja Warrior shows, especially the American one, all the athletes, and this is unique in a lot of different sports venues. You don't see this very often. They are all there supporting each other. That's the thing I love about Ninja Warriors so much that's getting lost in the whole idea that it's this monster truck thing, which is total horse shit. No, it's not. It's, no, it's, it's not. not. It's not. You're just upset because they're trying to make fun. I mean, I love Ninja Warrior. Don't get me wrong. I watch pretty much all the time. I love the fact that, you know, in the Japanese version, the commentator is hilarious. So he's like, oh, my God, the lactic acid is building up in the guy's muscles. How can he stand there? I mean, it is, it is hilarious. That's, but that's a real thing. How is that? Okay, when you say it once, it's it's real. When you say it like 50 times, it becomes funny. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not dissing. I'm not saying that Ninja Warrior is a bad show Oh, no, at all. you are. You no, definitely are. No, I'm not. You seem to take it that way, but I'm not. It's, it's entertaining, and there is some truly, truly amazing physical things that people do on that show. There's some definite stuff out out there that's incredible what they do the thing that we love about it the most in our family is the fact that there's no show where there's negativity raised like there's nobody out to like oh i hope you fall off the obstacle or i hope you don't finish everybody is supporting everybody oh, else absolutely. on the show from competitor to fans to the commentators the reason why i brought it up is because what i'm looking forward to is the national finals are starting for the American Ninja Warrior show. So what's happening now is they've had the city competitions for qualifying, and now they go to the national finals where the athletes all have a shot at a million dollars. The way they have to do it is they have to complete four stages. The fourth stage it's, is like a oh hundred foot rope climb it's in, in a certain amount of time, like 30 seconds. They have to complete this hundred foot rope climb or whatever it's it is. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just freaking crazy. I'm super looking forward to it. As you can tell, yep. my family and I, we watch, it's one of the couple of shows that we watch as it happens, not recorded mm -hmm. or later or anything. So it's one of the couple of shows that I'm really attached to, obviously. <laughs> and when does that, begin they start on friday august 31st so the yes. day after this podcast drops all right mm -hmm. cool i'm assuming that you guys have watched some things other than american ninja warrior given the past discussion so John, <laughs> have you been well, watching anything else i took my own advice and i went out and i saw the film that i was looking forward to we talked about in the last <laughs> podcast <laughs> Moose. Went saw Sorry. the Happy Time Murders. Oh, okay. Oh my God, the Muppet version of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, right? Uh huh. Yep. 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 I said it before, and I'll say it again. There's no such thing as a bad puppet movie. <laughs> I, I still think that there's some proof that's kind of needed in there, but it's... I haven't seen it. If you find one, let me know. But uh, no. Happy Time Murders was everything that I wanted it to be. I wanted raunchy puppets. You got that Check. for sure, I'm sure. I wanted a detective story, a mystery. I got it. Check. I wanted some creative puppetry. I got it. Off-color humor. And it was only like 90 minutes long. I mean, you could have stretched this out and start to get old. And the reality is it had a story. So maybe, you know, 45 minutes in, halfway, you start to get desensitized to puppets swearing. Yeah, you do, don't Bodily you? fluids from puppets and whatever. But the good news is there's actually a story and a twist and a real mystery going on. You're like, oh, well, now I'll shift gears and pay attention to the story now that I'm over this. I loved everything about it. So was the mystery a captivating story then? It was serviceable. 
Yeah. Okay. No, it's it's not high art, but it was, you know, it's just the right. I would say it's a step above your standard law and order. You know, I mean, it's. Oh, OK. All right. It wasn't just puppet saying fuck for puppet saying fuck's sake. I mean, they were real and uh, they were second class citizens. You know, it feels like a new T-shirt puppet saying fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like our next shirt. <laughs> you know, in a way, this was kind of a bright, but for puppets. Oh, okay. All right. Bright, the Will Smith movie. That yes. I yeah. yeah right. right, right. right. It was kind of a, like a buddy cop thing. And one of them was uh, uh, one of the ones, a puppet versus one of them being an orc, I think. And the yeah. bright thing. Right. Right. And the puppets are second class citizens. They're looked down upon. They can't go in anywhere they want. It's kind of like a like a racial allegory thing happening. And so there's some commentary happening. But unlike Bright, that was super serious that I didn't mm-hmm. dig. I know you did, yep. George. Some people did. This was super not serious and was just super tongue in cheek and just outlandish. Yeah. So <laughs> just and I, w- I would see it again. I don't know how it'll stand up to rewatches, but there's enough visual gags in there. I can see some animated gifts coming out of a lot of these stuff. Let me tell you, there's some awesome stuff in this movie. Yeah. I liked it too. Not quite, I don't think as much as you did, but I definitely thought it was a fun yep. movie. I thought that, especially like in my head, for some reason, I was comparing this to Sausage Party. There's no comparison. Right, yeah. There's absolutely no comparison though. Right. Sausage Party seems to be that they just look for excuses to do just raunchy, bizarre things. I think I said it was like, it's all punchline, yeah. right? Yeah, Sausage Party had one joke and they just kept yeah, telling exactly. the joke over and over. Whereas this one yeah. seemed like, like, you said, they actually, after a while, you kind of even like, I mean, you never forget that they're puppets, but you yep. start getting a relationship. I thought Melissa McCarthy was great. Oh, yeah. In I it. saw in the trailers that she was kind of the yep. buddy cop, right? Yep. To the puppet. That's right. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a very, I thought it was a fun movie. I had a great time watching it. I mean, are there things wrong with it? Sure. sure. But for me, they were overshadowed by how much fun that I had watching it. So I would recommend it to anyone who's not uptight. There was a point in the film where I saw some people down the front kind of walking and I'm like, oh no, are are people offended? Are they leaving? And it reminded me of when I saw South Park, the (laughs) the film in the theater, and I saw people walking out during the first musical number. Right. If you remember that first musical number is pretty offensive. (laughs) But these people weren't leaving. These were people coming to their seat. So the point I'm making is as long as you're not easily offended, which I was not, that's what you're there for. I, I think if you're a big fan of Muppets and you hold them sacred, you might have a problem with this, but otherwise... It was good fun. Yeah, absolutely. You know what part I really kind of liked though is like at the end when they were showing the credits, they were kind of showing like behind the scenes, like how they did some of the scene, like some of the shots they did. Yeah, all the people in green screen, they were holding up puppets. Green and- screens. I mean, that was impressive too. Just yeah, how it's yeah, done. Yeah, because you don't think about that, but man, that took a lot of work. Yeah, I'd almost like to see a cut with like none of the effects. Just show <laughs> yeah, me how, just to see how they yeah. do it. <laughs> I wonder which is more labor intensive, that type of movie or an animated film. This had a lot fewer people, Um, it seemed like, in the credits. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Animators got a lot of work frame by frame, whereas this is all practical stuff that has to be digitally cut out. But yeah, I think it was a technical feat, though. I mean, it was there was no point where I'm like, how is it being done? It was it was transparent to me when I was watching it. Yeah, for sure. And Jim Henson's son was one of the guys, right? Yeah. Jim Henson's son is like the executive producer. So uh, it was a little blessing for you from the uh, the Muppet Factory. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, speaking of our childhood memories, Mo, you watched something that was not quite so blasphemous. No, it was uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? It came out a while ago, but I just finally saw it yesterday. Oh, yeah, the the Mr. Rogers documentary. No, I've got it. I've got it from yeah. the public domain now, so I'm ready to watch it. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's it was a good movie to start with. It was a very, very good movie. It was tough to get through. Yeah, yeah, it was. And the thing, I, I guess, that really upset me, I mean, not upset me, but got me kind of depressed watching it was not so much about Mr. Rogers, but how so we're not like that today. 
in most things, politics and all that stuff. There's almost nobody like that. I mean, this yeah. is, he, he was it's such an amazingly uh, even tempered, even keeled, calming kind of personality. And it wasn't just his persona, apparently. It was him. Yeah. And, um, I mean, and you know, I'm a sucker for documentaries in general. This was well done. It was extremely well yeah. done. And they had a lot of people like who worked on the show who were still around, which was awesome. His widow, his sister. Yeah, people. His brother, his kids. Something that struck me about Won't You Be My Neighbor as a documentary is that they were not afraid to pace this documentary like an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mm. It was slow. Yeah. It was methodical. It wasn't like a machine gun rapid fire history lesson. They took moments of silence. They let you just introspect. And almost I think that was probably where a lot of the power was, is they did this documentary in the style. Yeah, very in much some so. ways that Fred Rogers did his own work. Yeah, it's actually it's funny. I didn't even catch that until you just mentioned it. But yeah, totally. I mean, because they even talk about it during the documentary about how Mr. Rogers was, he thought silence was okay. It had a place and, you know, he would have yeah. moments mm-hmm. to give people time to think about something. They did that right. a lot in the movie. So that made a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, this is such a touching topic to those of us who grew up in Generation X. I mean, this was a man who, you know, was almost a surrogate father to a lot of us when we would come home after school, you know, watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood or... Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was our friend. He was our babysitter. Yeah. We might have been one of the last latchkey generations. It seems now that that type of thing Mm, is so frowned upon that people are scared to death of allowing that to happen. I mean, I can't imagine if I tried to talk my wife into saying, oh, our son can just ride the bus and let himself in and we'll get home at (laughs) six or seven whenever we get home. That would never happen. But I would think nothing of that. I used to get off the bus and and, and walk a half a mile up my long dirt road to get to my Mm -hmm. house. (laughs) Exactly. But your parents always knew that when you got home, there was something quality on television, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, that you could sit down in front of and they weren't afraid of what would be on that show. Nowadays, my kid was home by himself. I'm scared to death of what he might watch. <laughs> well, he's got the internet. He can watch anything. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Rogers, though, was, you know, he was the most pure, perfectly wholesome entertainment. I mean, it, it falls a little bit also into like the Captain Kangaroo type stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that same yeah. kind of feeling. Yeah, he was a little earlier in. Right. But Captain Kangaroo, yeah, same kind of thing. Mr. Right. Rogers, I mean, I, I didn't watch it yet because I wanted to watch it with my family. And we just haven't had a chance to sync up our schedules. Yeah. But it's well worth finding a good quality yeah, time. I think it looks really good. Y'all know, it's definitely worth seeing. It's the perfect kind. We've stolen the world's supply of new pink lemonade. Bubbly up! It tastes like pink lemonade. It's the new taste everyone's after. Uh Uh-oh. It is I, Detective Yum, finder now to upset bubble yum bubble gum. Could you use a helping hand on your next electronics project? Quad Hands is the ultimate third hand helping hands vice and hobby station. The first thing you'll notice is how heavy a quad hands is. It's made from solid steel and then coated with a baked on powder coat for a durable finish. And the rubber feet are gonna keep it from sliding on your bench and give you a nice sturdy work surface. Those flexible all metal gooseneck arms feature rotating alligator clips to hold your boards and wires firmly in place. And removable silicone covers come pre-installed on those clips to protect those delicate wires and boards. And those arms can be put anywhere you need them. No fumbling around with awkward joints that are difficult to position. The quad hands was designed to help you do your best work It's built to last right here in the USA and backed by a lifetime guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Order yours today from Amazon or quadhands.com. Gen X Grown Up Podcast listeners can save 20%. Just use offer code GENXUP20. That's G-E-N-X-U-P-2-0. For your next project, let a quad hands hold what your hands create.
Now we're going to get to one of my favorite parts of the show, which is tech toys. Yes. And John, I know you got something that sounds pretty damn cool. I just read about it recently, so you're cutting edge here. Well, John's always the early adopter, right? <laughs> Bleeding edge. Yeah, I yeah. am a notorious early adopter, despite my own best interests. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had a good excuse, though. I had a, a Gear S2 smartwatch, yes, which I am I'm a big, big fan, fan of, of mm-hmm. that watch as well, for obvious reasons. Yeah, you have one as well. Mo, you have an Apple Watch, I think, right? Yes, so we're all smartwatch people. Uh, Mo is still in the iOS sphere <laughs> right now. My In the last two or three weeks, my Gear S2 has started to, as if it knew the new Galaxy Watch was coming. No. That's just conspiracy theory. Come on. Sitting on the charger, it would only get up to about 97% overnight. Oh, wow. I'm like, huh. Yeah, that's not a good thing. And then you take it off the charger, put it on your wrist and go out the front door and it's like at 93. I'm like, what the hell? Wow. I would get like to lunchtime and I'd look down and it's critical. I have to put it in wow. battery saving mode. Yeah. The battery was dying. But even before the battery was dying, my biggest issue with my Gear S2 was for all the ways I wanted to use it, it would drain the battery really, really quickly. And I had to struggle to find enough ways to make it last through the day to the point where I had to put it in battery saving mode that kind of turned into a glorified Casio and it didn't do all the cool notifications and alerts and the pretty face and all that stuff. So with my frustration with where I was with it and the fact that it just unceremoniously started dying on me and not holding a charge. Yeah. I saw this Galaxy Watch on the horizon. This is the next evolution of the uh, the gear line. They've thrown away the gear moniker on their watches. And uh, it's iterative. I, to look at it, somebody might look at my old one and new one and they would go, well, what's the difference? And that, that would be a fair statement. It looks very, very similar. It is newer, a little more polished, a little cleaner. Uh, Some of the lines are different on it, but the screen, I think, is even more vibrant. It's a super AMOLED screen. The big thing that really had me starting to look at it was they're purporting like a four plus day battery life. Wow, okay. That's impressive. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I don't buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you did buy it. No, I mean, I don't, I don't, (laughs) right. I don't buy the claim. I did buy the watch. That's marketing. I think under certain conditions with a certain settings, you could get four days life out of it. I don't care. I don't want four days life out of it. What I want is to turn on all the bells and whistles and it lasts me a solid like 14 hour day. That's all I need. And so far, it's paying off in spades like that. Okay. Like not only is it fully charged and I put it on my wrist, I have like the clock always on in a dim mode. It's not even, it's never blank. So it always looks like a regular mm-hmm. watch. All the notifications on, all the, every everything, the sounds, all the fancy. It's been great. But smartwatches have evolved so much lately. Oh, it's not kidding. surprising that they're evolving. Battery life has been the biggest problem in my opinion. Yeah. Who, who else is doing smartwatches? Like Garmin is doing stuff and Fitbit. They're, encroaching on what a fitness tracker is versus what a smartwatch. I'm doing air quotes. That's great for podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that works. I saw it totally. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. They're, they're, they're encroaching on what is a you know fitness tracker versus what is a watch versus, you know, they're putting all these cross features in there. And so we all have current watches. I just bought a new one. I'm just curious with my experience, what I got, do you guys have your eyes on what else is happening in smartwatches now? Is there something else that is coming up on the horizon that you're wanting? Mo, I'm curious with you. You have an Apple watch. It's a generation or so old now. Yeah. What are you looking at in terms of, I mean, are you happy with it? I mean, yeah, I'm happy. I mean, it does what it's supposed to do, which is great. Because I have, you know, an iPhone, the syncing between the two is almost seamless, which is nice. 
case. Right. It has a couple. I mean, the battery life on that one, I mean, it easily goes a day without any problem. So yeah. that I do like about that. And that's been consistent. I'm not crazy about the design, just personally. The square look. Yeah, the square look doesn't look like a watch. It looks yeah. like a gadget. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Which is something I loved about that gear line. Oh, I, I love know. the Galaxy watch. That's one thing I, oh, yeah, I admit I had a little bit of envy when I saw that. I was like, oh, that looks so good. Um, yeah. It works for what I have, but I'm not in any rush to pick up a new one at this point. Hmm, despite all the advancements. George? You know, so I got my Gear S2 watch from a friend of the show. Possibly uh-huh. the person who hosted <laughs> and created the show might have given it to me. And Might have been. You're the early adopter of the group. I'm the super late, like, wait till it's on sale five generations later adopter. I don't know how what <laughs> okay, that term right, yeah. is, but... Yeah, he's just got off Windows 95, so you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I, I really was scared of <laughs> Windows 98. That thing just totally <laughs> freaks me out. Anyway. <laughs> wait till you get to XP. That thing's rock XP's solid. XP's good? Man, I don't know. Anyway, so I was interested in them. I've had a couple of people at work talk to me a little bit about the new gear thing. There was apparently a discussion or a movement or some hints that they were going to move off of the current operating system that they had been on previously and we're going to move to the Tizen. Yeah. No, they're still on Tizen. That's what they yeah, operating said. system is just the same. Yep. They stayed so, there. Because I like my S2 and it's performing well. I get my 14 hours that you were saying you wanted. I get that out of this one oh, all good. the time. I good. never have a problem Excellent. with it. Yep. I put it on in the morning. By the time I get home, I keep it on until it's time to go to bed and it's still at like 20% with all the notifications and outstanding. Yeah, it's oh, okay, done good. really well. So I haven't had any issues. Yeah. Mine stopped doing that. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think I want to wait until the operating system is a little bit more in line with the operating system on my phone because I've noticed there are things that feel cumbersome to me, don't feel intuitive. Like I'm not getting Discord notifications right now on my new one since we've started using Discord a little bit. I get Slack Mm -hmm. notifications and I get email notifications and things like that. It's difficult to figure out how to do it in this operating system without going on Google and searching it. And I'm thinking that Mm. once they get the operating systems a little bit more in line, which I don't understand why they can't be. So you have less hardware envy. You're really waiting for the uh, software to evolve to the point to motivate you to want to get the next one. Yeah, exactly. Because right now, everything I can think that I would like to do with this watch, it does for me. So I don't need to go spend the hundreds of dollars on the new physical shell of the same OS. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's fair. And frankly, had mine not decided to, it was like a car. It knows you, you, you drove, you stopped at the lot to look at a car and it starts sputtering like right. it knows. <laughs> it's like somehow my watch knew I'd been browsing, you know, videos of what's this new watch look like? And it's like, oh yeah, well I give up. Yeah. You know? All those analytics <laughs> that Google's always collecting and everything, they, they sent it over there. <laughs> They're like, yeah, oh, they look, told look my watch. He's searching oh, for kill oh, that battery. He's looking at Galaxy Watch. That's right. You need to stop under, start underperforming, buddy. <laughs> you can feel it coming on, and you've got to, got to have some. Here I come to save the day. Got to, got to have some now. It's Kool Aid to the rescue. The one who gets big first. So I see refreshing and bright. Yeah. Got to, got to have some more. I've Heard That Song Before is a podcast about the jazz standards of the great American songbook. You'll hear your favorite songs from artists like Duke Ellington, Ella Fitzgerald, Billie Holiday, Ray Charles, Frank Sinatra, and many more. Be swept away by the most memorable romantic classics of the jazz era while exploring a wide array of some of the greatest interpretations of this magnificent body of work with host and jazz musician, Joe Hunter. Listen to the new season of I've Heard That Song Before on your phone, tablet, or anywhere there's a podcast app. Or go to thefrontporchpeople.com.
the Gen X Grown Up Podcast regrets to inform you that our normal games intro by George will not be completed today due to a contractual dispute over revenue that has not been sent. We return you now to your regular game segment. <laughs> hey guys, let's talk about games. <laughs> Somehow I like that one better. What's it going? <laughs> now we've got some game stuff that I want to talk about let's at the do beginning that. of the segment. I'm a fan. Before we yes. do, I created a little Twitter poll and put it out there to try and see if there were other people out there who enjoy oh, yeah, the right, right, right. older yep. arcade style video games as much as we do. And we got a pretty decent response. Got several mm-hmm. responses. Yep. And some of these are our favorites too. Right. So uh, Paul Tracy loved that X-Men multiplayer fighting game or the X-Men game. Oh, wow. Yep. And there was uh, <laughs> one that tied into a video that we have up on the YouTube channel. Uh, Warehouse 9 really was a huge fan of Rastan. And that kind of relates to yeah, the Volgar we did the Volgar, video, right? <laughs> yeah, the Volgar live yeah, so stream. When I saw Absolutely. that and yep. he had the graphic up there, I was like, oh, this will be, John will love this. And then yep. the Answer Man has one of John's all-time favorites on his list, Tempest. Mm, what yep. a mine, too. That's why I got the spinner on my cabinet. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> you got to have the spinner for Tempest. Matt over Deep Fried Geeks, mm-hmm. he loved the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle multiplayer one. Yeah. He loved that, playing that with the family. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> I mean, there were some great ones. Geek to Me Radio, they talked about the original Star Wars arcade. That was the one with the vector graphics where you would sit down oh, with yeah, the command. Yeah. You're shooting the TIE fighters. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was some really good stuff out there. And we I mean, all have our favorite uh, retro games that we play, but I know that uh, in today's segment, George, you want to talk about one that we recently did a replay video on on the YouTube channel. Yeah, my all-time favorite, Galaga. I mean, 1981, one of the... Yeah, that one's okay. For me, it's my favorite arcade game of all time. If I find it, Wherever I'm at, I immediately have to play it quarters or dollars or little arcade plastic swipey cards, whatever media I need to put in the machine to start blasting these fool aliens as they come down in their little bees and butterflies and everything. I <laughs> I can't get enough of that game. So we thought it would be fun to do a Gen X Grown Up replay of that game. I came over to Jacksonville mm-hmm. and John and I sat down on the Gen X Grown Up couch and played Galaga for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's an official couch. I yeah, didn't well, know. You know, we've got an official house that apparently the guy from Pop Goes Your World lives in with us now. So we might as well have a couch in the house. <laughs> he does. Yancey, another coke. <laughs> <laughs> and more than just play, you know, the fact that uh, George is such a freak about Galaga is, I will say that George didn't perform up to his regular abilities in this game, but but it's okay because he has so much useless trivia about Galaga that he was able to teach me so much about like strategy and history and background and stuff that it made the fact that I was playing and listening while he was just talking and narrating. It was almost like a little Galaga documentary. It, it turned out accidentally. <laughs> it kind of felt that way a little bit as I was rambling. I started like hearing my internal voice go, just shut up. You know, you're talking way too yeah. much here, you know. But I can't help it. I love that game. It's so simple, yet so deviously difficult as you move into the higher levels. It's just incredible. I love those games. They were simple, yet difficult. Yet if you developed your skills, you could play forever <laughs> on a quarter. There's nothing better than that yeah. in the arcade worlds or the game worlds now. I love the games now. All the story-driven Bioshocks and you know those kinds of things. I love those type of games. But man, they just... I don't think they'll ever replace for me the arcade 80s Gen X nostalgia that Galaga, Donkey Kong, Cubert, Pac-Man, Dig Dug, all those kind of games represent. Yeah, And we have a few more of those coming too. We recorded a couple of more. Uh, Mo, you and I did like, I don't know, we've done a bunch. 
eight or 10 of those yeah. in the past. And we recorded several. George, you and yep. I got together. We have some more coming. I won't spoil it, but there's more in the chamber that uh, I'm we're prepping. Doing more of these retro game replays. I mean, it's it just harkens back to one of the core tenets of Gen X and the nostalgia that we love. Uh, the game itself, the video game, I mean, this is a segment on games, is awesome. But it reminds us of a simpler time, a time when we uh, when we were young and it was new and that kind of thing. And just doing it again and talking about it and learning more about its background. That's what kind of just that's what makes it so much fun for me. And that's why I like to do it. But we wouldn't be able to play these games as easily as we can were it not for the work, hard work of a lot of people in the whole emulation world. Yeah, that's right. And emulation is uh, a little bit under fire right now. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you guys have been looking in the news. Oh, no. any, but uh, So emulators, they had their their fight in, in you know, in, in courts even, you know, like is main legal is, uh, you know, is snestical legal, those sorts of things. Those are proven to be legal finally. So you can develop them and not have to be on the dark web. Right. right? But of course, as we all know, the gray area is not the emulator now, it's the ROMs, right? So it's, it's some of it's not so much gray, some of it's straight up illegal, right? So if you go and download a game that you never owned ever and you download it and you keep it and you play it and you don't pay for it, that is technically illegal. That's copyright infringement. Right. By the letter of the law. Emulation enthusiasts will tell you, well, there's more to it than that. It's not so cut and dry. It's not so black and white. The problem is, how many of those thousands and thousands of ROMs out there are abandonware games that had limited release that is never going to be available ever again? Should those be lost? Should those never be playable again? Right. Were they ever available for sale? You know, this obscure arcade variant that was only in Japan and only had 200 machines. Should you never be able to play it? Should it be lost? Or should you be able to have it, archive it? Some of those companies don't even exist anymore. Exactly my point, right. Now, Nintendo is spearheading this, and as they have total right to defend their copyright, but they're going after uh, after a lot of these sites. Emu Paradise is the big one that just recently, it's still a site, but they no longer have ROMs. It's like, oh, we're still a huge database. We still have uh, all the reference material. Who cares? They're going to dry up. People come there to get the material. It's like going to a theater and saying, we don't show films anymore, but we still have posters. Great, thanks. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go where the movies are. You know, that's bull. And I mean, it's not their fault. They are bowing to pressure because Nintendo, you know, if you have all the ROMs, you also have some Nintendo ROMs. And therefore, Nintendo is going after these sites saying, you need to stop carrying our ROMs and we're going to come after you. Well, so they're going to have to take down all their ROMs just because, you know, the pressure. And it's getting harder and harder to acquire these ROMs to do emulation. Now, I have a huge library of them. I have them backed up in 17 places (laughs) and on a raid. Unless I have a huge fire or lightning strikes, I think I'll be okay. But that's not the case for the future. That's not the point. It's a shame. I mean, it's not just the ROMs. I get that the ROMs are, you know, the core of the issue right now, but there's also a lot of work that's been done in service of the ROMs, all the different emulators and the front ends and everything else that's out there. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people's lives tied up in this movement and yeah. Okay. Nintendo, I, I get that you, you know, you're in defense of your ROMs, but let's find some kind of 
medium iTunesy type, you know, 99 cents per ROM kind of thing that we can all agree to or something. Don't just go out there and take it away from people. Work with us because if it wasn't for us, you wouldn't have a goddamn company to begin with. <laughs> all right. I mean, and, and you see that they're they're getting aggressive about it now, I think, because they're starting to remarket, mm. right? Like you have the SNES Mini and you had the N64 Mini, I think. Yeah, the but NES they're doing Mini such and- piss poor jobs with those things. Let those of us who have done good work with it, let us carry the torch for you. We'll pay you a small little premium or something per ROM or, you know, some kind of little kickback or something like that. We're not in it to make money. These people who have put these ROMs online, they're not making tons of money, I wouldn't think, at least in the most part. We are spending money to do it. That's not the problem. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, you're not going to make a ton of money off of us by A, killing the thing that we love in the way that we love it, and then B, putting out some piece of crap emulated plastic box that doesn't feel right, doesn't look right, isn't true to when it came out. You're not going to win us over that way. So, Figure out however you want to work with the community and let's get together instead of just closing everything down. This is just stupid. I didn't realize it was this bad. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's really come to yeah. a head. And you know what it's going to do? It's like anything else, right? It's like prohibition. Right. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to create an underground market. It, it drives it underground, yeah. right? I keep bringing up MU Paradise. Not the only one, but they're the, they're the one that I used all the time. I went to MU Paradise. The great thing about it was it was an above-the-board site. It wasn't full of malware. You didn't have to click 40 places and go download a downloader <laughs> and right. get a bunch of garbage on your computer. You literally... You had to click. Yes, I'm not a robot. You download the one game that you want. And now it's going to drive it underground and it's going to make it more dangerous for casual people and it's going to be hazardous. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. And it's already happening. It's already happening, quite frankly. So I don't know what the solution is. You know, we have our emulation uh, locked down, but the hobby and preservation of the memories of Gen X and even before that, going back into, uh, you know, the uh, late 70s, kind of even pachinko kind of ROMs and those sort of things, they're at risk right now. So if you have them, hold on to them tight. And if anybody asks you, tell them that it's not a monstrous thing to do emulation. Emulation's like skateboarding, you know? It's not criminal activity, <laughs> it's preservation. All right, I've ranted enough about emulation. I could go on for a while. Mo, you're playing something new. Talk yeah, to us. Yeah, it's a new game. Uh, well, it's relatively new. I started picking it up because uh, it's on a uh, Steam sales for like twenty bucks. That happens, and it's called Dying Light. I don't know if you guys have played that one or not. No, hmm. okay. I mean the name sounds Remind familiar, me. but I don't yeah, think it I've came out it. a bit ago. It was pretty popular. I feel like I've seen the the tile for it on a million Steam sales, but I don't know if I played it. Okay, or not. it's a um, you know zombie apocalypse kind of thing, first person shooter. But the thing is that you're like this agent that was dropped into this city that's having this zombie apocalypse kind of thing going on. And your job is like infiltrate this group and figure out like how they're figuring out the cure and doing this, all this other kind of stuff. So there's a big storyline behind it. Oh, okay. The thing I kind of like about those, the fact that they have the zombies are all pretty much universally the same stupid and their danger is just a quantity <laughs> of them. Because I keep thinking like to Walking Dead, which I'm, I'm a big fan of. I know, George, you're a big fan of, right? Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of things in Walking Dead, they could escape by running, uh-huh, right? Right. Most of the time. Yep. Similar thing here. Now, if you run into a big pack of them, that's a trouble. Right. But if you run and climb on top of a building, you're pretty safe. And that's the way this game is kind of structured around. So there's a lot of like kind of parkourish kind of things that you're doing. Oh. <laughs> so in the real world, I would be eaten right away, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd be dead. <laughs> but <laughs> parkour, parkour. <laughs> so, <laughs> parkour, dead. <laughs> the one aspect of it I hadn't had a chance to explore yet is that there's a big co-op aspect to this. You can play with somebody else. Hmm. Oh. I haven't had a chance to do that yet. 
So, you know, may try to talk one of you guys into trying it. Mm. But it's and it's very big on like getting multiple people to help complete missions and that kind of thing. So, you know, I think it's something worth picking up. So a little bit like uh, what was that one? Left for Dead? Was that the one we used to play where it was very co-op-y? Yeah. Got that kind of that was epic. Yeah. You don't have like the million different types of zombies in this. Okay. Like they had that all the specials and the the, the smoker and the the witch and all that stuff. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just zombies are zombies. I gotcha. Zombies are zombies. There's a couple. I mean, there's a couple that are like they come out at night that are more dangerous, of course, that kind of thing. But other than that, you know, they're all pretty standard. Yeah. We know the freaks come out at night. Wow. There's a reference. Dying light. All right, so on sale for twenty bucks. Twenty bucks, easy. IKC getting easy twenty hours out of it. Think so. I think All I'll right. get my Corys. I think you'll meet the Corey scale. That's something we always have to talk about a little bit. Tell us about the Corey scale. Okay, for every dollar spent, you get an there. hour of playtime. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost like he's angry at the Cory system. <laughs> like, okay. No, I like the Cory system. I think it's actually, I've, I've been using it subconsciously for a while, apparently. So, you know, I evaluate buying a game. You know, I look at him like, wow, 20 bucks. I'm like, am I going to play that for 20 hours? Yeah, I use that consciously. I look at it and go, is Cory going to get pissed at me if I pay for 10 bucks for this? Or- <laughs> Now you can enjoy a scrump delicious Dairy Queen Sunday free. Medium size and your favorite yummy flavor. The free coupons on specially marked packages of Honey Smacks. Before we wrap it up, we have a few things that we are definitely looking forward to that take place between now and the next time we get together for the show. Huge one, George, that we're all going to be involved with. Yeah. As this podcast is dropping on that very day, we will be at Dragon Con 2018 in Atlanta, Georgia. Whew, I feel like I'm going to be sweating. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot of Bite stuff out. to haul, a lot of stuff to set up. We have some activities oh planned. A whole bunch of stuff. I mean, we've got four panels, panels that we're hosting, right? It was a very yep. nice little yeah. pickup for us. Uh, indie game dev panel, a meet Assassin's Creed, good and mm-hmm. evil in video games. And then evil why do you go to games. school for yeah. video games? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. some really fun panels, neat people that'll be on them. We'll be the hosts, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, we have some possible interviews that we hope to do at the convention of some of the celebrities that will be there. And yep. let me tell you, Megacon has some celebrities. It has nothing compared to the volume of people no, that DragonCon oh does yeah, as far as celebrities. And the variety, too. Yeah. Like, just the different types of people. Yeah, everything from, yep. like, classic sci-fi writers all the way up to modern Marvel movie superhero actors. I mean, it's just nuts. Yeah. And one of the things that I find I most look forward to when we do these conventions is that we're, again, going to have a table where we're mm-hmm. going to sit, meet people face-to-face, tell them what we're doing and try to get them on board. I have found that meeting people like that has been one of the most uh, satisfying things going to these cons for me. And that's going to be something I look forward to as well. It's always fun. We've got the TV display up there showing our videos and everything. And we've got our sponsor stuff up there for the sponsors who send us these conventions and all the props and everything from the different videos we've done on the show that we've curated over time. It's a blast to get and sit there and talk with people and just hang out. One thing for this convention that I'm looking forward to the most, though, is the Dragon Con cosplay parade that'll be happening on Saturday. Mm. We have special access as media <laughs> to that event. This is like an outdoor thing, like a parade down Peachtree Avenue. So this is yep. like a big, ginormous, you know, Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade kind of thing. Dragon Con is the Mardi Gras of nerdery. It is uh, everything, <laughs> everything that you ever wanted to see is going to be there and then some probably some stuff uh, you didn't want to see (laughs) 
That, that's my point. <laughs> exactly. It's the Mardi Gras of nerdery. <laughs> so we will be there without a doubt. So yeah, I, I'm getting my stuff packed and we're going to head up there Wednesday. Get ready. All right. Is there anything else you guys are looking forward to besides Dragon Con? Yeah. A couple things in media. One for me, I'm a big fan of horror movies. And so the latest kind of branch off of the whole conjuring series drops on september 7th i think called the nun oh no the nun that's already sounds scary <laughs> this was kind of that uh, that dark creepy nun that showed up in the conjuring 2 remember how annabelle was in the conjuring and got her own yeah. movie about how the doll so this is another branch off of the conjuring i've and so never now seen this that is, series so this will be interesting when it comes to horror series the conjuring and conjuring 2 are really really good the branches yeah. are meh, they're okay. They're better than average. This one is called The Nun, and it's based on a character that showed up in The Conjuring 2, and they're like, hey, that was spooky. Let's make a movie about it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be good. I don't know. It's got a creepy trailer. I hope it's not all a bunch of stupid jump scares, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. I know I will, so I'll let you know what I think. All right, cool. Mo, how about you? Uh, the thing I'm looking forward to, which they've been advertising the crap out of on Amazon, is um, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. Oh, the yeah. The series that they're the doing. The series, August 31st, right? Yep. Yeah. That's Jim Halpert as Jack Ryan, right? Yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> Who knew, right? <laughs> right, yeah. The guy from uh, The Office is now starring as an action hero kind of thing. Well, he did a really good turn in 13 hours, so... Yeah, I think he's doing he really yeah, well. I think he's yeah. done a pretty good job. And I think, was it The Quiet Place? Oh, yeah, that was fun. Like He that did a really one. good job yeah. in that one, too. So, you know, I'm, I mean, I've, I've liked Tom Clancy's books. You know, I thought some of the movies were hit or miss. Some I really liked, sure. some I didn't. But... You know, this as a series, I think this has a lot of potential. So I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Man, I need to. That's more more stuff I got to watch. All right, I'll put it on the list. Very good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now stay tuned for the amazing Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk. A bad guy poses as Spider-Man and goes on a crime spree. But can he fool the spider friends next? If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we've put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us in Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, iTunes, or wherever you like to listen. While in iTunes, take a second to rate and review the show. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. We'd love to hear from our fourth listener, so email your thoughts, suggestions, questions, ideas, or complaints on this or any other episode to podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is so much more than just this podcast. You can also find our video content on YouTube or explore our entire body of work on our website at genxgrownup.com. And that will do it for this episode of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. We will be back in two weeks with a regular show and, as you all know, next week with the Backtrack Edition, which is the edition of our show where we pick a single topic and dig in deep. The Backtrack next week is going to be playing outside Yay. oh my god <laughs> it's not quite the same as it used to be if it still exists at all <laughs> we'll debate that and we'll talk about it <laughs> that'll be in the backtrack next week i am john george thank you for being here yes sir mo thank you so much yep always fun man and most importantly fourth listener thank you for being here we will talk to you next time bye bye see you guys bye, everybody no life no fun don't you know that you're a grown up no games no This podcast is an affiliate of the GWW Radio Network. Visit Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, TV, cosplay, and more. How are you guys doing? Everybody uh, ready to get going on the show again? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's what we live for. <laughs> that was a rousing. Uh... That was smooth. You ready? Yeah, I guess. Probably. Yeah, more or less. We got to. <laughs>
<laughs> Only because you're making us. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast.